In Matthew 12, 25, Jesus said, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Another uprising will come against King David in 2 Samuel 20, and he's going to have to deal with it. And it is the reverberation of his own sin. Instability is a consequence of human sinfulness. How can we make things solid again? How can we improve relationships? How can we clean things up after a fall? We need to get right with God and do things His way. We'll explore that more today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. He said it would be better for those people if a heavy millstone be wrapped around their neck and they be cast into the depth of the sea. Why would Jesus say that if all roads lead to God? Why would Jesus say that if you can just pick whatever quote unquote Jesus you want? It really doesn't matter. No, these things are crucial. Jesus said if, if one of these little ones that believes me is, is stumbled, here's what should happen to the stumbler. And David says, we got to deal with this guy. So Joab's men went out after him along with the Cherethites, the Pelethites, and all the mighty men. And they went out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. Now I want you to notice some of the men are called Joab's men. He had led a third, uh, he commanded a third of the men against Absalom's rebellion. And Joab is still part of the army, but he's been demoted. Why had Absalom been demoted? Or why had Joab been demoted? Because he had killed Absalom. And remember, David was upset, and David said, I want Absalom spared. And Joab killed him, and David was mad. And Joab gave David the business for being mad. He said, you care more about your son who was trying to kill you than you do care about those of us who are trying to protect you. And so Joab's there, and Amasa is supposed to be leading the army, but Joab's men are there. By the way, Amasa means burden bearer. And when they were at the large stone or great stone, it was probably a historic landmark that people knew about, which was in Gibeon, about five to six miles northwest of Jerusalem. Amasa came to meet them. Now, apparently he had gathered an army, but he was a little tardy. Now, Joab was dressed in his military attire, Joab, the former commander, and over it was a belt with a sword, probably a small dagger, and its sheath fastened at his waist, and he went forward, and it fell out. Now, all of a sudden, Amasa shows up with a group of people he's gathered. He's probably heading back to Jerusalem to get his orders from the king, probably something like this. Hey, king, I finally got the army together. Maybe he was met with some resistance because of what he had done formally with Absalom. And so they meet at this large stone, and Joab, who's still there and dressed in military attire, He's the former commander, so no love lost between these two guys, right? Here's your replacement standing there. Here's a man who led a rebellion against David, a man you've always been faithful toward, even though you didn't always do things the way David would like. And you see him at this landmark, this large stone. You go walking up, and all of a sudden, if we put it in modern vernacular, your gun falls out of your holster. Now, if you're a Masa, you might be thinking, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> well, as he walks up, his sword falls out. And Joab said to Amasa, 
Is it well with you, my brother? This is a really a Hebrew greeting. It's shalom. We might say it in modern vernacular. Hey, bro, how you doing? Peace, brother. And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Now, I don't recommend that any of you guys do this. Uh, some of the people who are new to Christianity are just trying to get over the fact that men hug each other. So we understand. Do not grab them by the beard. That's, that's really, I think this is an ancient Jewish thing that we don't recommend, right? But anyway, but Amasa was not on guard against the sword, which was in Joab's hand. Maybe he just thought, oh, he's just picking it up. And maybe this whole thing was a, a way for Joab to get the advantage. And so he, Joab, struck him in the belly with it. And this may ruin your donut you want to have afterwards. And poured out his inward parts on the ground. And did not strike him again, and he died. And then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. Well, that's a nice greeting. Hey, brother, how you doing? Ooh! And it was over. And he's there now bleeding in the middle of the highway and dead. And some of you are thinking, what is Joab's problem <laughs> exactly? That, that's what David always wondered about this guy. It seemed like Joab had David's back, but did things the way David didn't want them done. It seems for Joab, the answer was always the sword. And you may have a few friends in your life like this. You got to calm them down every night. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. When I first came to the church, uh, we were playing in a uh, Christian softball league. How many of you have ever played in a Christian softball league? Christian softball leagues are not always so Christian. <laughs> and oftentimes, in the midst of competition, because we know how competition brings out the best in everybody, <laughs> right? We would have some of our teams who would get a little upset at the umpire. If you've ever tried to be an umpire, you can't please the people. Half of the people are always mad at you, right? And so some of our players would be jumping up and down. I can't, that's a terrible call. You gotta be good. You need some glasses. Uh, and I'd be going, ah, uh, guys, this is a Sunday Christian league. Let's calm it down a little bit, right? Sometimes we just lose who we are. So Joab ends up killing Amasa, and maybe because he felt like Amasa was a traitor. Later in 1 Kings 2, David tells Solomon, he says of Joab that he shed the blood of war in peace. He put the blood of war on his belt and about his waist and on the sandals on his feet. So David says to Solomon, act according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to Sheol in peace. 1 Kings 2, 5 and 6. Ultimately, he was held responsible for what he did. Now there stood by him one of Joab's young men, verse 11, and said, whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. Let's get moving, in other words. But Amasa lay wallowing in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa from the highway into the field and threw a garment over him 
when he saw that everyone who came by him stood still. You can imagine, you're one of the soldiers there. You see this meeting taking place. It looks like they're going to have a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden, someone is laying there dead. And the people were stunned. And each person, as they were walking by, couldn't help but look at his dead body there in the middle of the street. And so one of the men pulled the body off the highway, put a cover over it, and basically said, if you're on David's side, you need to follow Joab right now. That was a lot of pressure to put on the people. And as soon as he was removed from the highway, all the men passed on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. Now he, this is Sheba, went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, even to Beth Makkah. Now, many of you remember from a previous sermon that Beth Makkah is a Boston way of saying the house of Makar. I thought that would go over better, but apparently <laughs> it did. Makar, my car in Boston, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> see, people are walking out just because my jokes are horrible. <laughs> I know you're not doing that, JT. I love you. <laughs> I'm used to it. It's okay. And so... All the Barites, verse 14, probably another way to say the Bichrites, a clan or the father of Sheba, they were gathered together and also went after him. So he got some sort of following, did this Sheba, this rogue leader, but it seems like he didn't have a whole lot of success. It was just people from his clan. And he went about 100 miles to the north, 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. This is the top of the nation of Israel probably near the base of Mount Hermon. And he set up shop in this place called Beth Makkah. And he tried to entrench himself there. And so here comes the pursuit. And they came and they besieged him at Abel, Beth Makkah. And they cast up a mound against the city. This would be a siege mound. This is how ancient uh, warfare took place. They would start using the earth and stuff like that. And they would, if you had a wall, they would start just building this ramp until they could get to you. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you, you can go to the top of a place called Masada. And it's this ancient fortress that was built by King Herod. And it's, you got to go up on a cable car basically to get up there. And the Roman army built a siege ramp all the way up this steep hill to finally get to the people that were up there. And it would take them weeks, months, even years to do it. But in ancient warfare, if you had a wall, this is what they do. They just start the earth and they just start building up a ramp until they finally could get to you. And so they're, they're there. Uh, they cast up the mound, verse 15, middle. They stood at its rampart. All the people who were with Joab were wreaking destruction in order to topple the wall. They were, they were beating on the wall. Now, if you're one of the people in the city, and Sheba has just come by lately, and you're like, all right, what's all the hubbub about? Well, uh, there's some people here mad at Sheba. Now, here's the way sometimes things work. Somebody like Sheba gives a great speech and says, follow me, forget about David, follow me, prints posters and that kind of thing, right? And they will go, yeah, you know what, Sheba, Sheba's the man, Sheba. And then all of a sudden, you're held up in some city, and Sheba has an army mad at him. How committed are you now to Sheba? Those are questions you need to ask, right? The commitment level of one's uh, spiritual life and otherwise could be tested in times like this. 
And so all of a sudden, they're beating on the walls. They're trying to preach. Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Follow me, forget about David. Follow me, Prince posters and that kind of thing, right? And they will go, yeah, you know what, Sheba, Sheba's the man, Sheba. And then all of a sudden, you're held up in some city and Sheba has an army mad at him. How committed are you now to Sheba? Those are questions you need to ask, right? The commitment level of one's uh, spiritual life and otherwise could be tested in times like this. And so all of a sudden, they're beating on the walls. They're trying to breach the walls. They're trying to batter them down. And a wise woman, it's always a woman who, in these kinds of situations, speaks wisdom. This is like the third time Abigail had to talk David down. There was a woman of Tekoa who tried to help the problem between David and Absalom, and Joab set that up. And now for the third time in David's life, or at least David's kingdom, a wise woman intervenes. And so here's what happens. She calls from the city, probably from the top of the wall, and she says, here, here, please tell Joab, come here that I may speak with you. So he approached her, and the woman said, are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, listen to the words of your maidservant. And he said, I'm listening. Then she spoke. Formerly they used to say, they will surely ask advice at Abel. And thus they ended the dispute. She says, hey, this city had a reputation. In former times, if people had a dispute, they would come here and there were maybe an ancient type of counselor and, and people could work things out in this city. That's the type of city that you're beating on the walls of right now. Could we talk for a moment? And Joab said, I'm listening. Okay, tell me. Give me your best argument. She said, well, I am of those 19 who are peaceable and faithful in Israel. I'm a peaceable person. I'm a faithful person. I'm an Israelite. You are seeking to destroy a city, even a mother in Israel. This is a mother city, if you will. Why would you, and the you is emphatic, swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Why are you going to destroy one of God's cities? You know, sometimes when we're trying to deal with rogues or problems, we have to hurt things around us. And that's the decision that's before Joab. And Joab was known to kill people who were part of Israel without even thinking twice. And the woman is calling him out. And I want you to see for a second the application. David probably came home and was thinking about how he was living his life. And Joab, at a city wall, had a woman speak some wisdom into his life that goes much deeper than the surface. Because if you look at the verse, the woman says, 
Why are you trying to swallow up, the idea is even kill, the inheritance of the Lord? Now think about it. This is what Joab had done multiple times. He had swallowed up the inheritance of the Lord. In trying to protect David, but in doing things his way instead of God's way, he had hurt people when that's not in all likelihood what God wanted at that moment. And it's certainly not what David wanted. And so she says, why, if I can peel it back for a second, why do you do this kind of thing? Why do you continue hurting people who are part of the inheritance? The National Day of Prayer is coming and the, the theme is unity for this year's National Day of Prayer. I think it's pretty cool that the United States has a day when as a country we're focusing on prayer. Now we know every day should be the National Day of Prayer, right? But the theme is to preserve unity in the bond of peace. We need unity deeply, not just in the nation, but in the church. Would you agree? If the church could come together and be unified around the truths of the faith and try to win cities for the sake of the greater kingdom, if it could be about the kingdom of God, we would be accomplishing much more than we're accomplishing because the church is in many ways, divided. And the theme this year is unity. Here's Joab at this wall trying to breach the walls of a city of Israel, and it's like, the woman's like, stop. Why are you trying to swallow up your own people? The name Joab means the Lord is our father, or the Lord is father, and he was trying to destroy the mother of Israel. How many times has it been said that Christians are famous for having their firing squads in a circle? You'll get that in a couple of seconds. <laughs> right? We tend to shoot our own. We tend to, to knock down walls that belong to us. And so Joab's at the wall and the woman says, look, why... Some of you need to mark this. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Now, Joab responded, and he said, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. <laughs> Maybe he had a moment of realization that I got to stop doing this kind of thing. Far be it from me that I, that I should destroy this city. Such is not the case. But a man from the hill country of Ephraim, Sheba the son of Bichri by name, has lifted up his hand against King David. Only hand him over, and I'll leave. The woman over the wall. <laughs> well, what's the real problem here? Joab says, there's only one problem. We'll stop knocking down your walls. We'll, we'll stop the attack. Just hand over this Sheba character, and I'll leave. So the woman said to Joab, hey, just one second. End of verse 21. We'll throw his head over the wall to you. <laughs> this, this is glorious. Isn't this wonderful? This is the Bible. This is how it works, right? You read the books of the Bible, you're like, really? They're really? So they called a quick committee meeting in the middle of the town, something like this. Hey, the wise woman has texted everybody for a quick corporate meeting. Something like this. Boys, we got problems. 
You all probably noticed that people are trying to beat down our, the walls of our city right now. I found out a little additional information. <laughs> Thank God for wise women. They, they, you know, people, I don't know, what's that noise in the background? I don't know. I think some. <laughs> she found out the source of the problem is this guy named Sheba. So here's what we have to do. I wonder if Sheba was within earshot of this meeting. <laughs> what, did they mention my name? We just need to cut his head off, throw it over the wall, and our problems are over. You've all heard of the idea of cutting off the head of the snake. There it is. And so they had this corporate meeting. <laughs> the jury wasn't out for about five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> as long as it's his head, I'm, I'm fine. I, I can live with that. So the woman wisely came to all the people. Short staff meeting. All in favor? Say aye. All opposed? Sheba. Nay! No! I... <laughs> This is more than abstaining. Do you read my lips? No! But they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it over the wall to Joab. This is where the ancient saying came from, heads up. <laughs> or actually, it should be heads down, shouldn't it? I'm sorry, but I thought you needed a little humor at this point. <laughs> and so, <laughs> what you'll find about people like Sheba is when they try to get ahead, <laughs> usually their rebellions are cut off rather quickly. So I don't know if Joab had a catcher's mitt, but <laughs> over the wall goes Sheba's head. <laughs> You're like, some of you haven't been to church before. I'm like, yeah, I went to this church this morning. You won't believe what. <laughs> guys talking about heads flying over walls. And anyway, so Joab made the catch, and that was it. He blew the trumpet, middle of 22. And they dispersed from the city, each to his own tent. And Joab also returned to the king at Jerusalem. Now, I'm sure he had a package for him, but we won't, we won't go into that. And I'm sure the people in the city were like, good call, wise woman. A couple of high fives, and there you go. Rebellions like Sheba's often die this way because people can be fickle. Can you imagine the people around Sheba? Yeah, so, yeah, let's get David. Yeah, we have no inheritance. And then people are beating on the walls. It's like, yeah, it sounds good. Let's cut his head off and we'll, we'll move along. And so Joab headed back. Now Joab was over the whole army of Israel, 23, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. This is just a quick uh, summary of David's cabinet. Adorim, or in other, it may be Adon Eram, was over the forced labor. This is something earlier in David's leadership was not there, but now he had forced labor. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahalud, was the recorder or secretary. Shiva was the scribe. Zadok 
and Abiathar were the priests, and Ira, the Jerite, was also a priest to David. A couple quick things, and we'll be done. David's cap cabinet had changed, and if you want to cross-reference chapter 8, verses 15 through 18, there were some differences in David's cabinet, and the differences were some people had been replaced, but it says in chapter 8 that David's kingdom was led with equity and righteousness. Could that be said of David's kingdom today at this moment in the Bible? Probably not. They had forced labor now. That's not something that they had in the past, but they had gone to so much war that now they had people in some form of slavery. And you read your Bible and you think about David and you go, man, everybody turn to Hebrews 12. And you think, oh, D David's kingdom is a wonderful reflection of the coming kingdom of God. Oh, not so much. Many times it was a poor reflection because human structures fail us. And sometimes we look around and all we can say is, your kingdom come or come Lord Jesus. God bless you. <laughs> now, take a look at Hebrews 12. 22 through 29. And Shane, if you can hear my voice, come on up. Here's what we have. We are the church. And the gates of Hades will never prevail against us. And you, Hebrews 12, 22, have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, Hebrews 12, 24, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as a created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, putting on the full armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit Walk in Truth 
www.thepowerofpowerpodcast.com.